Hey church, this is Pastor Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today here on FC Radio. I hope this message encourages you in your walk of faith and helps you to become a better follower of Jesus. Check out our website at www.ferncreekcc.org and let us know how we can be praying for you. Here's the message. Well, there's a difference between tired and exhausted. Fatigue tends to creep on us sometimes unexpectedly and sometimes unfortunately. Uh, for, For one young man from New York City, let's call him Brad for the sake of our story, just give him a name. Uh, Brad just worked a 12-hour shift at his office job. Anybody who's ever worked a 12-hour shift knows those are deadly, and you are exhausted when you are done with that 12-hour shift. Well, Brad's on his way home from work, and he gets a call from his buddy. And his buddy's on the phone and says, man, hey, I would love... Uh, if you came with me and were my wingman tonight, I'm going to a party. Uh, w- would you be my wingman at, at, at this bar? And Brad's a good friend, so he said, of course. But, but he's super tired, and so he gets there, and he's annoyed by the loud music. He's annoyed by all the people. Uh, it, it's hot in there. and he, he goes to the one place in a bar in New York City where you can find any peace and quiet. That's the bathroom. So he goes to the bathroom, and he sticks his hand in the sink, and starts to wash his face and spray some water on his face to wake himself up. But he's really enjoying his time in the bathroom. It's the only peace and quiet he's gotten all evening. Well, Brad decides to spend some some more time in there. He says, I'm going to make myself comfortable. Goes in the stall, uh, gets out his iPhone, starts playing Angry Birds or whatever game he was on his iPhone. And then he started to feel the urge to do his business. He was in the stall, so he starts doing his business. And then it was almost as if a pastor was there and he had said, let us pray. And his head began to tilt down and his eyes began to shut. Well, the story in the news the next day was that Brad fell asleep on the john in this bar in New York City. And uh, this is where the story actually gets interesting. He woke up the next day around 7 a.m. and the bar didn't open until 4 p.m. later that day. And so he is locked in this bar, and he tries to find all these ways out. He tries to open windows. He tries the kitchen door. He tries the back door. He tries the front door. Everything is locked. And so Brad is locked in here. He's only got one option. He calls 911, and multiple fire trucks come and race down the street, and a small crowd gathers around him to see what what was going on. Like, this must be some amazing story. And I walks Brad with just a wave of humiliation and regret, and he says, well, uh, nothing interesting happened. I just locked myself in, the, in this bar, just going to the bathroom. But the moral of the story is, Brad, he wasn't just tired. He was exhausted. I mean, who falls asleep in a bar in New York City? You have to be exhausted. You know, some of you may be exhausted this morning. If you've ever wondered what we, did you know that Actually, us on stage, we can actually see you guys. If you've ever wondered sometimes what we see on a Sunday morning, you want your pastor's perspective, check out this video of this little boy. We see this sometimes. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier.
there is always somebody pulling one of those on a Sunday morning. Tired is a fairly normal feeling of I could lay down and take a nap right now, but exhaustion, on the other hand, causes us to make bad decisions. Exhaustion lowers our standards, removes our filter, it sparks negative emotions, and it hurts our productivity. Look at what author Hugh McLeod writes in one of his books. I love the title of this. Ignore everybody and 39 other keys to creativity. I love it. This is what he says. My flame has gone out. My fuel has been spent. I forgot how to love and I can't pay the rent. Can you relate? I think sometimes in our spiritual lives, uh, life, circumstances, burdens us to the point of exhaustion. And it's easy to look at our relationship with God and say, my fuel has been spent. I can't do this right now. I can't give my full attention to this. And we lose a sense of direction in life because the fuel behind our desire to follow Jesus starts to burn out. We start to be unsatisfied and disappointed in our choices because the river of our obedience has run dry. We forget how to love others like Jesus did because we're too tired to stay connected to him. And we forget how to pray because we lose the motivation to draw near to God on a daily basis. Why am I talking so much about exhaustion? Well, this is what, this is the point I'm trying to make. Exhaustion can be the biggest obstacle to spiritual growth because it pulls us away from our relationship with God. In our spiritual journeys, we can often end up like Brad on the John. We fall asleep in these uncomfortable, nasty places. We get comfortable where we are instead of running full speed into the arms of the Father. I think one of the worst things any follower of Jesus can do is to declare exhaustion as a normal thing. I know, at least for me, when someone asks, hey, how you doing, or how's your week been? In the classic Gary Boss chain voice, uh, I always re reply, man, I'm busy or I'm so tired. And that exchange of words might be the most common exchange in the English language. But I'm here to tell you that that shouldn't be so. Drained from work? Oh, well, I'm fine. Having a bad week? Uh, oh, well. Drowning in debt? Well, I'll figure that out uh, some other time. Trying to hold your relationship together? Well, I'll, I'll be better. I'll be better. Trying to survive 2020? You're almost there, by the way? Well, there's always next year. We tell, we tell ourselves, I guess this is normal, and, and I'm exhausted, and I, I'm just going to accept it and move on. Well, I assume Brad had a bed wherever he lives, and I think we can all agree, hey, Brad, you probably should have tried to go home and, and fall asleep in your bed. Well, did you know God offers us a spiritual bed of sorts in Christ? God doesn't want us to fall asleep or to seek rest anywhere else but in him. Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And you can already see the compassionate heart of Jesus, his appeal for people to turn away from whatever they're presently depending on, onto him. It's a call for, for God's people to seek rest in him. Look at the rest of Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God does not want us to live in spiritual exhaustion, 
But we have to make an important distinction before we continue. These verses are not a call to a lazy or an indulgent life. Jesus isn't saying, yeah, you can do nothing all day and just, just binge Netflix. Just watch The Office all day, every day, and eat chips. That is not what Jesus is saying. There is still a yoke to bear. There is still a burden to carry. Yet with and in Jesus, they are easy and light. Why would God take our troubles away if instead he can use them to prepare us for eternal life with him? I love what Billy Graham says, talking about these verses in Matthew. He says, Jesus' yoke is easy, not because it makes lighter demands, but because it represents entering into a disciple relationship. In other words, my summary for that, the relationship eases the responsibility. Well, that's a fancy phrase. What does that mean? The relationship eases the responsibility. Let me give you an example. I'm not a parent, but the thought of being a parent is somewhat daunting to me. Uh, the sleepless nights, I love sleep, you know? I, I don't know how I'm gonna be able to stay up so late and wake up so many times in the middle of the night. That scares me. Dirty diapers, uh-uh. I want no part of it. I realize I'm gonna have to do it, and I'm willing to, to try it, but I, I don't wanna do it. Uh, watching awful cartoons, in the morning when the news is on or ESPN, da 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 I would much rather watch that. But how, how do parents do it? Well, it's the love they have for their child. It's the relationship they have with them that gets them through those, those kind of moments. In the same way, being a follower of Jesus is somewhat daunting, right? It comes with trials and temptations. It comes with seasons of praise and seasons of grief. It comes with good days and it comes with bad days. But it's the relationship we have with our Father in heaven that gets us through, that gives us strength. It's his love for us that takes care of us. And so as we enter a new year, we should seek rest. We should all seek rest by pursuing a stronger relationship with our Father in heaven. 2020 has been a tough, tough year. I know it has. And I'm, I'm ready for 2021. I'm excited about it. But not just because one of the numbers change. I'm excited because this is the perfect opportunity to spark a spiritual reset in my life. What do I need to think about? What do I need to lay before the Father? And so today, I'm going to give you four ways our relationship with God can renew us for a new year. The first way, a spiritually rested person, look at this, I love this. A spiritually rested person is renewed in Christ. Renewed in Christ. One of my favorite verses of all time is Philippians 4.13. You've probably seen athletes like Tim Tebow wear it as they play sports. But this verse goes way deeper than just sports or physical strength. This is the message translation of Philippians 4. 10 through 13, Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now it's easy to read that verse. And, and my, my initial response is, well, Paul, you have not seen 2020, man. Like, it, this year's been crazy. You don't know what 2020 has done to me, to my friends, to my family, to my coworkers. 
But did you know Paul wrote that while he was in prison just for having faith? Talk about some poor circumstances. But Paul says renewed strength comes only if we are in Christ. So what does it look like to be in Christ? That's, that's the question. What, what does in Christ mean? We use that phrase all the time. Well, it means as followers of, followers of Jesus, our primary concern isn't with religious behavior. N- nothing we do c- could ever earn us salvation. Our, our primary concern isn't with culture. It isn't with the world around us. To be in Christ means our primary concern is with Jesus, a person the one and only Son of God who lived the perfect life of love, died on the cross for our sins, bearing in his person the condemnation that we deserve, was raised in triumph from the grave and is now alive, accessible, and available to us through the Holy Spirit. He is coming again one day that every knee should bow before him. That is the person with whom we're concerned. I love what John Stout writes. To be in Christ is to find personal fulfillment to enjoy brotherly unity, and to experience radical transformation with Jesus. Man, you don't wanna know what's exhausting? Trying to create and uphold a reputation on your own. You know what's exhausting? Caring so much about work that it becomes your primary concern in life. Putting your hope in politics, falling in love with material belongings, being a Kentucky basketball fan, expecting non-Christians to behave like Christians, planning the next 10 years of your life only to find out that one out of the 100 things you planned actually came true, trying to make up for that past mistake. All these things are exhausting, and all these things we were not created to do. We We were created to follow Jesus, to put our hope in him, and to walk with him through this journey of life. Now, it's tempting to go rogue and think, man, I got this by myself. I don't need anybody. But man, you can rest in the identity you have as a child of God. Seek renewal through your relationship with him. Secondly, a spiritually rested person is energized by grace. Energized by grace. Sometimes I can't fall asleep at night, and so... I, I lay in bed and I look at the ceiling and I think of the stupidest things in the world, like the craziest things go through my head. Well, the other month, I was thinking about songs or, and TV shows that I liked as a kid, but am, am embarrassed to admit now. So I really, I don't know why I wrote this in my sermon, but I'm gonna admit this. When I was a kid, I watched Disney Channel and one of my favorite shows, it ranks third in my favorite shows, uh, but Hannah Montana, man, this was the show when I was in middle school. I mean, she was my celeb crush for a lot of years. Not anymore, but uh, so Hannah Montana, if you don't know the show, she's this alternate persona of this girl, Miley Cyrus, who's daughter of Billy Ray Cyrus. And this alternate persona allows her to go to school and have friends and have a normal life while gaining fame as a, as a music star as Hannah Montana. One of the songs I liked as a kid, but now I just can't even stand it. I can't even, like, oh, I'm uncomfortable admitting this to you, is Nobody's Perfect. You heard this song? It goes something like this. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. Everybody knows what, what I'm talking about. Everybody gets that way. And it's like this, it's, yeah, it's a good song. So you're wondering where I'm going with this. Well, you need to hear the title of the song again. Nobody is perfect. 
Even your pastors walk in here on Sunday morning, a sinner saved by grace. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have and will continue to fail to live up to God's glorious standard in Christ Jesus. Nothing we say, nothing we do could ever earn us salvation or make up for all the sin in the world. Our sin is even so bad that we deserve death, but God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you let that kind of grace energize you? Do you give yourself grace when you mess up? Or are you stuck in some past mistake? Man, know this morning that you are forgiven. You have been set free. And God wants you to walk in freedom because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. I love Romans six fourteen. It says this, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Those who have given, if you've given your life to Christ, you live under this umbrella of grace that you cannot escape. Man, that allows me to rest. Our third thing, so we've had renewed, uh, renewed in Christ, energized by grace. A spiritually rested person is surrendered to God's will. Surrendered to God's will. You remember bedtime as a kid? <laughs> I hated going to bed as a kid. I would make up any excuse not to go to bed. I'm not tired, or I'm hungry. I want one more story. I would make up anything just so I didn't have to go to bed. Look at the video of this, this comedian impersonating a toddler trying to go to bed. I love this. Why are you out of bed? I can't sleep. It is past your bedtime. Okay. Back to bed. I'm just getting this. I left this down. I was scared, but then I but then I wasn't very scared, but then I got scared again. I can see you. I was just gonna come down and put my shoes by the door so in the morning they're already by the door. Do you remember I know, I know. I was just wondering like whether if they were going to impeach Trump. How do you know about that? I was in bed and my sock was itching, so I came to tell you that one of my socks was itching. Um, I was gonna ask, how long do you think I-15 construction will be so cumbersome on Lehigh? I was, I think I was sleepwalking. I was just gonna say, if you wake up in the morning and come in my room, say, good morning, I love you. I was just up thinking whether you're gonna be one of the real housewives of Salt Lake City. No, stay, stay upstairs, stay. I'm up trying to, I can't stop. I can't help it. Oh, see, I can't wait to be a parent. It's going to be so fun. It looks so fun. So why do parents make their children go to bed? Well, because rest is a good thing. Children don't understand the purpose of their parents' commands until they grow up. For example, I now love going to bed. It is my favorite part of the day. I watch the opening drive of Sunday Night Football, and I am out. I'm ready. And when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to stay up. I wanted so bad to stay up to watch the big game. Well, in the same way, we really, sometimes we don't see the purpose of obeying God's commands until we are mature disciples. We fight God, we make excuses, and we act as if our way is better than his. I mean, the only difference is that parents, they can lock their kids in their room and make them go to bed whereas God honors our free will to choose. 
and we grow weary because of our own disobedience. We make decisions for ourselves without seeking counsel from God. We take a job without praying about it. We, we try to create our own purpose without listening to God's calling for us. Read Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26 with me. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Sometimes in order to be obedient, we have to make sacrifices. But remember the promise in these verses that whoever loses his life for the sake of following Jesus will find more abundant life than he ever imagined. The enemy wants nothing more than for you to become uh, just disappointed and exhausted in this downward spiral of disobedience. But when you are surrendered to God's will for your life, you are under the protection, under, under watch of the almighty, omnipotent creator of heaven and earth. You may not fully understand God's commands or how he's working in your life, but he is for you and his commands are for your good. You may not understand why he's telling you to do something, but trust him and do it anyways because you're surrendered to his will. Lastly, a spiritually rested person is trusting in God's plans. Trusting in God's plans. So we've had renewed in Christ, energized by grace, surrendered to his will, and trusting in his plans. Is it okay if I get vulnerable with you for a second? Is it easy? When I first moved here, I've told you how I got here to Fern Creek. I was rejected three times by uh, this church in Lexington that was my home church. And I mean, that's, that's totally okay. I love that, that God placed me here. God's always working for, for your good. And I, I love being here. But what, what I haven't told you about is, is how God took care of me in the realm of my, my relationships. When I moved here, and started working here. I was dating a girl in West Virginia at the time, and uh, I, one phone call, I, I called her and I was telling her about my day, and she she really got super mean and just unresponsive. I said, "What's wrong?" And she said, "I never wanted to be a pastor's wife." I said, "Oh, okay, that kind of hurts." <laughs> I thought about that. I prayed about it. And conversations with this girl just seemed to get worse and worse and more angry and, and more bitter. And I, I knew what I had to do, but, but I asked God, I said, man, what, what is the right thing here? I had been dating her three years, which is a long time. And I asked God, man, what do I do? I mean, she says she doesn't want to be a pastor's wife, and this is your calling for me. I love my job, and I love following you, and that's what I want to do. And what God told me was, well, that... There's really not any right or wrong decision. It's not, he says, what, what, whatever you do, no matter what decision you make, just follow me. And so I said, okay. And I knew what I had to do. And when I broke up with her, you would think I, I, I spent the next like few months in, in total depression. Well, actually, the, the exact opposite happened. I had a freedom to pursue Jesus like never before. I, I, I had, you know, 
nobody to call at night. It sounds really sad, but I was like, hey, I'm going to read my Bible. You know, things like that started happening. I was like, I'm going to write this song. I was inspired to write. And I mean, I got some angry phone calls from mutual friends. I got some angry text messages. People said some hateful things towards me and my ministry, and that was hard. But nobody said following Jesus was going to be easy. And then the best thing that has ever happened to me happened. Over the summer, I met this girl named Annika Azinger. And uh, man, just, just a complete blessing from God at exactly the right time. And I love the story of how we started dating because it's not exactly how I would have written it. I would have, wouldn't have written dating somebody three years before dating Annika, but man, it, it's so God-ordained and it's so God-blessed that, that I love it. And I think God writes our stories by chapter for a reason. I think he's always pulling us into a deeper moment by moment, circumstance by circumstance. He's always pulling us into a deeper relationship with himself. And God's an amazing story writer. And I, I trusted God with this huge life decision and he showed me his faithfulness. I, I trusted him and he really did show me his faithfulness. But what, I, what I'm not saying, okay, is hey, go out and, and break up with your, your boyfriend and girlfriend, break up with your spouse, and then you will see the faithfulness of God. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. You will never see the faithfulness of God without trusting him first. The author of Hebrews calls God the author and perfecter of our faith. Our stories get messy, but his love is always chasing us. But in order for God to be the author of our life stories, we have to hand over the pen, right? Our faith in God is the pen with which he writes the story of our salvation. I'm gonna say that again, man. I love that. Our faith in God is the pen with which he writes the story of our salvation. So do you trust your father to take care of you? Is he leading you to make a difficult decision? When you can't see over the wall of your troubles, do you trust that God's perspective is higher? There's a story of a young and newly licensed pilot. When you, when you newly get your license, uh, you can't fly in cloud cover. You can't fly in storms yet. You have to get some experience doing that with somebody else. You can't fly solo, excuse me. Well, the day started out really good and then not a cloud in the sky and the forecast was great and so the, the pilot took off and he was flying solo, he was doing it and then suddenly the, the weather began to change and these clouds came, it started to rain, and there was some thunder and lightning, and no, the pilot could no longer see the ground. Well, his fuel begins to run out, and he's got to land, even though he cannot see. And he, he radios the control tower, starts freaking out, he's high-pitched voice, he, he starts really just panicking, and then a stern voice came over the radio and said this, you just obey instructions, and we'll take care of the obstructions. And I think God says that to us. He's in the control tower at all times. And it can be cloudy from our point of view, but his perspective is higher. And we need to trust that God is good. And worrying won't add a second to our life. But in order to find rest, we have to give up control and depend completely upon God. 
I started this sermon saying, there's a difference between tired and exhausted. And God wants to refresh your soul with more of himself. But are you in a good enough relationship with him in order for him to be able to do that? Look at Matthew 11 again. This time the message version. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Nobody wants to enter a new year feeling exhausted. And God's knocking on the door of your heart, but will you let him in? As we come up with goals and resolutions, we all have one, right? You're gonna lose the weight. You're gonna start exercising. You're gonna read your Bible every day. You're gonna pray every day. And these are good goals. That's great that you have goals, but be careful. Because if you are not renewed in Christ, if you are not energized by grace, if you are not surrendered to his will, and if you're not trusting in his plans, then you, you will grow tired, you will grow exhausted, and you won't be able to sustain whatever your goal or your resolution is. The greatest advice I ever received from a good friend of mine was this. She told me, don't run ahead of the one who walks beside you. We want to run ahead but as we enter a new year, let's be, let's seek this, this kind of rest, renewal, energized by grace, surrender to his will, and trusting in his plans. Let's pray together.